0: Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations Exploring Life, Faith, and Hope with Stephen O'Doherty. Dr. Newman, welcome to Open House.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: What's going on here when we think that something is more or less true based on these images? What's our what's our psychology doing to us?
1: Yes, yeah, so it's an interesting thank you. So when we when we decide whether something is true, we may sort of have the experience that what we're doing is is drawing on general facts and using our own knowledge to, to arrive at an answer. Um, but what we're finding in our research is that people are often making decisions about what is true based on basically how easy it is to process a message. So a lot of variables, photos are just one of them, can, can make us believe things, whether they're actually true
0: or not. What methodology did you use? Were you looking at reasoning? Uh, As such, where we're going to be a little bit more careful about how we weigh things in the balance, or were you looking at snap decisions?
1: Um, We've done both actually. So, um, in the earlier work that we did, we were looking at these very quick snap decisions. So, um, what was curious was that when we gave people a photograph with a claim, so you know something like turtles are deaf with a photo of a turtle in the ocean, which is really not informative at all, and what we found was that people were much more willing to believe when they saw the photos. These were under conditions where people were making very quick judgments um, but more recently, we've been looking at you know what happens when people are engaged in more careful processing, what happens when you give people more time to make their decisions? Uh, are they less susceptible to these effects and really, the very simple answer is no, <laughs>
0: unfortunately <laughs> oh really so we're still just as gullible as we were when we believed that a turtle was deaf because we saw a picture of it
1: that's right so it seems to be that um it's not simply mental effort that will protect us from these kinds of effects but it's really about the approach we take when we have a task like deciding whether something is true so there um if you look at individual difference variables for example there are some people who come to that situation and are slightly less susceptible than others hmm.
0: i suppose at one level it's not a surprise is it and certainly the advertising industry over a very very long time has understood the power of the image and has used right. that power but it's that's playing on our emotions
1: right and i think sometimes when you look at when you look at the advertising industry the the images they're using are trying to promote a certain belief, right? So you might see a toothpaste ad with someone with a really great smile and beautiful white teeth. Here, these photographs, really they seem harmless. And I think their effects in some ways are much more insidious because they, they look like they're just decorations. And they really are the kind of images that you end up seeing in the news media to Decorate a story about Donald Trump, or or decorate a story about um, some local um, politician.
0: It's the same mechanism. It is interesting, isn't it? Now you see that packaging laws, uh, people have um, artist's impression on the bottom, or um, serving suggestion, and it's some beautifully created (laughs) meal. You open it up, and inside it's just you know schlock. Yeah, true. (laughs) I don't know what that word means, but yeah, I
1: think I mean in psychology for. For a very long time, we've known that imagery is very powerful, and I think here yeah, there's some interesting applications for education. So, and mm. in, in our own textbooks, you know, with with university students, with high school students, who are often photographed that aren't always. Demonstrating complex ideas that are in that piece of text. Uh, sometimes they're decorative photographs like these ones here. So I think there are some questions to ask you about the placement of those.
0: Yeah. So you've you've got some other examples from your research. You like a story: giraffes can't jump, and a picture of a giraffe. The story is more believable than the story alone without the picture.
1: Yes, that's right. And by
0: the way, can um, giraffes jump?
1: <laughs> I think that that statement's technically inaccurate. Um, that one. <laughs> so that one's a false statement. Um, it's actually quite confusing. So after the several years of doing this research, I'm now unsure about which of these trivia. Oh. Too much repetition. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, what. what is interesting here, it's not just really trivia claims. So we've looked at this question by examining it in a consumer context. So uh, wine labels, for example. If you give people wines that have um, a label that uh, depicts the, the noun in the wine name, so a photograph that depicts if it's something about a like the noble leacorn, and there's a photograph of the leacorn. People typically think the wine is higher quality and, and they mm. think the wine tastes better. So huh. similar sorts of effects across the board.
0: Our guest is Dr Erin Newman. She's researched uh, believability in various ways. She's from the ANU's Research School of Psychology. Interesting to note that we're becoming a far more visual society now. So um, while most of our information is coming from the internet in one form or another. Most of our information about the world around us and particularly about news and current affairs, a special interest of mine, it always now has to be accompanied by an image. It doesn't really matter what that image is, Donald Trump getting off a plane, the Great Barrier Reef, whatever, you have to get something out of the file to stick next to your picture. So are we becoming more gullible? Or, to put that another way, how can we guard against being fooled?
1: You're right on all of those points and that we've, there's more visual information. But I think when you put it in the context of this sort of social media environment that we're living in now, what we might call the information environment, mm. you could look at how people are changing the way they're consuming information more generally. So when you look at the data on what happens when people see a news story on their news feed, what you find is that a lot of the time people aren't actually clicking on the news story to go and read the full content. Yeah people look at the initial content at the beginning which usually includes the photograph (laughs) and a short headline so I think the way people are exposed to information here is a big issue how can we protect ourselves I think this is an ongoing question this is something we're looking at in our work right now I think something that's very curious but we've found pretty consistently is that when you ask people at the end of one of these experiments by the way, do you think the photograph influenced the way you made your decisions? Most of the time people say no, but when you actually have a look at their data, it's pretty consistent that they're biased by the photograph. So the take-home mm-hmm. message there is that really people have no idea how the photographs are shaping their decisions.
0: And it's interesting to note in passing that the way the Facebook algorithm has worked over the years, stories with photos, um, especially initially with memes, uh, were preferenced by Facebook. Now it's um, stories that have videos attached are preferenced by Facebook. What you see in your feed is influenced by the image that the person creating it has used. And so they'll use more images. So we are becoming, I'm not going to say post-literate, but we're certainly becoming a more visual age. But it also applies, doesn't it, to audio according to some of your own reading and research.
1: Yes, that's right. So this fits within the sort of general theme that When people are evaluating the credibility of a message, often what they're doing is actually making, creating an impression based on how easily it is for them to process the message. And so that means that not just photographs, but other kinds of cognitive input should also shape people's beliefs. Um, and so, what we look at this year is how the quality of audio and um, in interviews, just like this one here. <laughs>
0: well, I, the reason I'm laughing is because your mobile phone is breaking up as you say this. <laughs> oh,
1: that's terrible! Well, based on my own research, so, the following—it's yeah, much to more happen.
0: believable if we get a clearer line. Say it again, and let's have another crack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. What we're finding more broadly here is that it's really about the ease of processing a message. Hmm. And so that means that regardless of the cognitive input, whether it's photographs or whether it's audio quality, people are making assessments based on how easy it is to process. So Hmm. that means then that the quality of audio in our conversation here is likely. What we found in this research actually was that scientists on radio stations, um, if they have a bad audio line, if their phone line's not quite right, they lose credibility, The research seems less important, and they seem less intelligent. So, you know, the content doesn't change, but this very small echo in the background can affect people's beliefs.
0: What about the tone and grain, as one philosopher once called it, the grain of someone's voice?
1: We haven't looked at that specifically. Um, I'm sure that people build up... To impressions about that kind of thing over time but mm. the, the kind of question that we ask in this line of research is whether there's some sort of interruption in people's ability to process a message mm. if it caused an interruption i'd expect it to produce the same sort of thing
0: wow really interesting it does mean we've got to work a bit harder doesn't it to get to the truth of things and sometimes close our mind to those images that are not necessarily designed to trick us but nevertheless that are having an impact on what we believe
1: yeah that's right and so i, I one of the things we're looking at here is that we've tried warning people and saying, you know, the photographs are only illustrative, they sh- they don't have any bearing on the the quality of the statement. Those warnings don't work. No. Um, so yeah. it's <laughs> unfortunately sort of telling people, hey, watch out, doesn't doesn't um, end up being an effective approach. So one of the other things we're working on doing is seeing whether, you know, you can get people to be more sceptical of information and then maybe that leads them to actually use effective hypothesis testing that helps them to arrive at a better answer.
0: So you go to the giraffe and you say, jump, and the giraffe doesn't jump, and you say, there, I told you, all giraffes are deaf. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I think, I think the idea So that's is an really... old
0: joke that I just reworked for the occasion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the sort of take-home points there is that simply thinking more or... Um, considering in more depth this may not be helpful, but using different approaches to test the argument may be the way around it. So finding hmm. a way to ignore the tangential cues that really aren't good hmm. indicators of truth. But yeah, this is a question that we're currently working on.
0: Well, I'm glad you're working on it. Thanks for the conversation. It's been enjoyable. Great, lovely talking to you. Discover more open house podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.